almost louder than in the worship time. You guys are talking to one another. It's, it's just great. I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Um, we want to be, as Pastor DJ said, we want to be a church community. And, um, you know, our prayer has been that this would be a place where uh, lifelong friendships would be established. And where people would get to know one another and uh, just be drawn together in fellowship. Um, and the truth is this. Uh, I think everybody longs that, longs for that. But there's always that awkward moment at the beginning before you have those relationships. And, and this fellowship greeting time is really just a time to get to know people. And if you are shaking their hand to somebody and you look at them and go, Ooh, I, I don't know if I like them. That's okay. Move on to the next one. <laughs> 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 right. Because then you might actually find the one that you're like, oh, you know what? I like that guy. I like that gal. And uh, maybe schedule a, a lunch after service or something during midweek. And I just encourage you. Thank you for participating in those greetings. I know for our extroverts, you're like, yes, this is awesome. And for our introverts, like, why are you making me do this? <laughs> what we're noticing is all the introverts go out to the coffee bar and have their own fellowship out there. <laughs> so uh, be careful. You might find yourself having those lifelong friends out there at the coffee bar. But hey, we're going to open in prayer and, and jump right in. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, just the group of people that are here this morning. And uh, I pray that you would use Tim and I to communicate your word. story of how you impacted our lives personally and how you touched our lives individually, God, I pray that that would penetrate into the hearts, into the lives of every person listening, and it would stir something in them um, in which you would draw yourself closer to them and, and them closer to you, and God, we thank you that you use testimony to um, to bring out prophecy and, and begin to foretell our future into those things, and we thank you for that, and we give you glory and praise in your name. Hey, so next week I'm going to start a series on the four pillars of Shine Church and what that looks like. But we felt like before I get up and start sharing um, messages, that it might be good for you to know a little bit about us as a couple, who we are as people, and most importantly, how we came to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what we'd like to do this morning is just share our testimony a little bit of how we came to the Lord. There is a scripture in Revelations. I know last week I talked about how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, but there's another scripture in Revelations 19, uh, verse 10, and it's, this is the second half of it. It says this, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I was looking into that as we were preparing for this, and, you know, prophecy is, um, is foretelling. It's hearing from God something that's going to be coming up in the future. And as I was reading through this and as we were talking about this, uh, we really realized that when you tell the story of Jesus Christ um, and how he's impacted your life, what begins to happen is um, prophetically things begin to shift in people's lives that hear that, and they begin to get stirred up, and it begins to shape the future for you in regards to your relationship with the Lord. And so our heart as we share these things this morning is that as you hear our stories, that something in you would get stirred up and you'd be like, hey, oh man, if God can do that for them, can he do that for me? And the answer is yes. And amen. And so um, we're just going to tell a little bit about our background and then we're going to go into our testimony. And so um, I was born in 1971. I was born in Colorado Springs. I am a native of Colorado. All five, all five of us in here? All right. It's, it's, it's awesome. The rest of us are jealous. 
Um, and so I grew up, or, uh, born in Colorado Springs. My parents moved when I was two years old to Woodland Park, Colorado. Now it's a little town up in the mountains. Um, and uh, they bought a house, it's 1973, they bought the house for $34,000. My dad still lives in that house. Um, I grew up kindergarten through uh, high school, graduation in the same school, um, in the same town, small town. Everybody knew who I was, and I knew pretty much everybody in the, in the town. Um, I need to give you a little history about my parents um, to let you know kind of the home that I was raised in. My dad, uh, before I was born, my dad was a priest, and my mom was a nun. And some of you are going, how did you get here? <laughs> My dad um, was a priest in Chicago, Illinois, and um, in the late 60s, the Catholic Church was making some changes with the Vatican II, and they were good changes for the church, and uh, what, what happened was that the parish that he was at, they weren't embracing the changes that were being made, and he wanted them to, and so he made the decision, you know what, I, they're not going to embrace this, I don't want to be a part of this parish, and uh, ultimately decided to step down from being a priest. And at his going away party, he met my mom who was coming in to the nunnery. And so that's kind of how they got introduced to one another. My dad stayed at the parish. He helped out throughout the week. He would do masses for uh, the nuns during the week. And I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I, I do know that uh, they, they must have fell in love because she got out of the nunnery. They got married. They moved to Colorado Springs. And one year later, here I was. Now, my dad, picture this, my dad was 40 years old when he had me, and I'm the oldest of four. So I'm 47 years old right now. I have two kids, both out of high school. Um, I can't imagine having my fourth child next year, which is what my dad um, did. And so uh, my parents uh, established a, a loving home. Um, we grew up very much Catholic, went to Mass every weekend. And I just want to say real quick, you know, a lot of times the Catholic Church gets a bad rap. Um, and I want you to know, a lot of the foundational things that I believe in my understanding of God, I got from being raised in the Catholic Church. And I didn't even really fully understand those things until I got older and actually started to really get into my relationship with the Lord. Um, but as I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, I didn't quite embrace those things and didn't fully understand those things. And to be honest with you, um, as I got older, I began to walk away from God and even doubt the existence um, that he was even real. Um, and so um, graduated high school, went to Fort Lewis in Durango and um, <laughs> went uh, for six months. I made it through one semester and a month. Um, I actually had uh, a little bit of a that one of my great aunts had given for education, I blew the entire inheritance in five months drinking. I mean, I had turned away from God, and college was just this place, and I, all my friends loved me because I was buying for everybody. And what happened is um, the sources, the, the funds ran out, the friendships ran out, um, and I found myself in a very lonely place. And so I moved back, I actually dropped out of school, moved back to Woodland Park, got a job at a movie theater in town, worked there for a little while, and the owner of that movie theater owned one in Estes Park, Colorado, and needed a manager at that theater. And so I 
I applied for it, got the position. I moved myself up to Estes Park when I was 20 years old, became the manager of the Stanley Village Cinemas, which was a little three-plex up there. Um, and that's kind of where I started my uh, adult journey uh, as uh, you know, a, a grown person. And in the middle of that, at one point, I needed a concession person, and so I hired this girl. And so I'll let her take her to tell her story from there. I could really sell popcorn. It was, it was all about the skills, you know? <laughs> I really impressed him. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was born in Alton, Illinois, and that's right across the river from St. Louis. And if, I, I'm super bummed that I wasn't born in Colorado. <laughs> So, um, a lot of my family still lives there. Uh, great town, great place to grow up. Uh, my parents, I grew up in a godly home, a loving home. I have one sister, seven years younger than me, um, and I love her dearly, we're best friends. And so, grew up, uh, moved to Colorado when I was nine. My dad was a custom home builder, and everything was booming out here in the 80s. Uh, I was born in 1974. Um, just so you know, and then, um, so we moved out to Colorado, grew up in Estes Park, beautiful place. I really honestly, even as a kid, never took it for granted. My my dad just loved the mountains, we drive up the canyon just gawking at just the beauty of the mountains and always had an appreciation for that. And so I'm grateful for where I grew up, it was a great town, uh, was an awesome kid uh, until about 13. Um, straight A student, super involved. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the church, so we were always at church. I knew the Lord. I never questioned that Jesus was who He said He was. Uh, I was always, you know, in close proximity, knew about God, but I never, I didn't have a relationship with Him. So, got to high school and just, you know, it was all do's and don'ts, and I didn't get the trade off and why, why do this, why don't do that. I don't get it. Um, and so I just wanted to say, too, just coming to church, you would think, like, just being in close proximity your whole life, going to church week in, week out. I grew up Assemblies of God, so Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, great church. But I was deceived. I didn't get that there was a relationship aspect to, to the whole thing. Um, so get to high school, totally rebelled, um, major rebellion, anger. Um, got into a lot of drugs, alcohol, the whole proverbial rebellious um, teenager. Um, probably my my biggest downfall was LSD. That was my my go-to because I felt like I, I was really interested in the spiritual realm, really fascinated with that and drawn to that. And when I would take LSD, that really gave me um, an opening. You know, I would invite those demonic spirits and those things, and I would draw them and freaked my parents out totally, uh, was always in trouble, um, spent my whole freshman year grounded, and every time I would get in trouble or get grounded, my parents would say, oh, you can't hang out with them anymore, <laughs> you know, the day after I get ungrounded, get in trouble, oh, you can't hang out with them anymore, until finally, I remember clear as day, my parents looking at me and saying, it's you, <laughs> it's you, you're the one, <laughs> you're the bad influence on yourself, <laughs> Because it didn't matter who I was with, I was always in trouble. And I even remember, um, and this is terrible, it's, just, it's a proof of just the redeeming work of Jesus. Because you'd never know this about me now. Like, it's so hard to even talk about because it was like I was a whole other person. But I was so angry and so dark 
And I had teachers calling my parents saying they were scared of me. They were afraid of me. I was so intimidating, so dark. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be here without the prayers of my parents. Honestly, they didn't know what to do with me. Um, and they would sit me down and pray over me and really call out those things in my life. And I know that was really hard for them. And I just wanted to, as I was thinking and praying through, you know, how, what to share about my testimony with you guys, I wanted to encourage you, if there's any parents in this room that have a difficult situation that you're going through right now with, with a kid, it doesn't have to be drugs, it could be anything, um, don't give up. My parents, they, they stuck in there, and I remember vividly them sitting me down and we all kneeling in our living room and them laying hands on me and crying out to the Lord for me. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for their faithfulness, for their courage to do that because I was so hard. And just so you know, I never gave them any indication that it was impacting my heart. The Holy Spirit was ooh, churning in my heart, just calling me. And But I never let them see that or never let them know that. But I just want to encourage any parents in here. Don't give up. God hears your prayers. And I'm living proof and a testimony to, to that with my parents. So um, so I barely got... So I want to stop for a second and actually pray for parents that may be finding themselves in that situation right now, actually. So Heavenly Father, I lift up every uh, parent right now that would find themselves in a place where uh, maybe they don't know exactly what to do um, with a child that um, seems to So in the first day that she worked, we would just sit and talk. And we may have 
started rolling. We were just talking. I was like, hey, you know what? You want to come to the midnight showing? And she's like, what's that? And so what I would do on Friday nights is when the new movies came out, I would string them up and I would invite all my friends from, from town to come and we'd watch a midnight show. And um, and so I asked her, hey, do you want to come be a part of this? And she's like, well, I'll take all my friends to see if I can. I'm like, Absolutely. And so she called and they said yes. So she uh, was going to stay for the midnight showing. We string the movie up, get, get it going. And during the movie, I she at one point had leaned forward kind of on her knees and she was watching. Uh, and so I reached over and started rubbing her back. And she didn't resist. And I'm like, So the entire movie, I'm giving her a back rub, and so that built a little confidence in me so that after the movie was over, um, I walked her out to her car, and I planned a big kiss on her, like all good bosses would do, right? <laughs> Should have been in so much trouble right there, right? Um, and she kissed back, just so you know. She totally kissed back. Well, come to find out later, she was asleep the entire movie. I thought she was all into it, but she didn't even know I was rubbing her back. So, just a little funny story on how to know each other. Um, going back to, to my testimony. So, when I was, it's funny because she talks about her teenagers. When I was a teenager, I actually was moving out of my bad uh, portion. When I was from like 2 to 12, I was a terror. Uh, I'm serious. I was a terror. My, uh, I remember one time slapping my babysitter. I remember um, my grandma and my aunts and uncles not wanting to come over to the house because I was that kid. Um, and I kind of grew, I, I don't know if I grew out of it or what, what changed, but as I got into my teenage years, I actually uh, was a pretty good teenager. Um, and uh, for those parents that have uh, those kids that are from 2 to 12, that you're like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to, there's hope. There, there's hope. I'm just telling you, there is hope. And keep giving those kids to the Lord because I, they, they turn. Um, what happened to me, though, is as I got into my teenage years, again, I started to question whether there was even a God um, and started to live like there wasn't. Um, and I didn't get into the things that Kim did, but I pretty much was just living for myself, very selfish, motivated. Um, and uh, when I was 17 years old, I had a friend invite me to a young life camp. And there was a youth group uh, from Willow Park that was gonna go. Um, Pastor had connections with a young life camp in Minnesota. And so I went to this young life camp, and what it is is it's a seven-day camp. And what my friend told me was that there was parasailing, and there was sailboating, and there was basketball, and there was this huge slide that went into the, the lake. And I was just like, oh man, that sounds like a week of complete fun. So that's why I went. Um, but what Young Life does is during that week at night, they tell little bits of the gospel story. And at the last, even kind of um, they bring out the true meaning of Jesus Christ and that he died for us. And, um, and I'll never forget being challenged that evening. Hey, you know what? This has to be between you and God. And um, we want you to go out throughout the camp. It was just after dark, probably 930. Um, go out through the camp and just pray to God and ask him if he's real and he'll make it real deal between you and him. So I find this spot in the camp, a uh, little grassy area, and I'm just like, okay, God, if, if you're real, uh, I, you know, prove yourself to me. And I'll never forget this little firefly right in front of my face. Just lights up. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, 
But I didn't know, you know what else to do, so I got up and I started walking back to the cabin. And that firefly followed me and kept lighting all the way to the cabin. And so I get there, I tell the counselor, hey, this is the experience I had. And they're like, oh, well, hey, <clears throat> pray this prayer with me. So I said the sinner's prayer. Um, but then the next morning, we packed up and we moved. And we came back to Little Park, and um, I, there was no follow-up. I went back into the Catholic Church and went to the Masses that we're going to. I wasn't really involved in that youth group that had gone. And so I kind of slipped through the cracks, to be quite honest with you. There wasn't any follow-up. And so I quickly went from um, that experience to moving right back into how I was living and even, again, doubting whether there was a God or not. I want to stop for a second because uh, this is near and dear to my heart. I want this church, I want this church to be a place where people can come to an understanding of how Jesus sees them and the fact that God died um, for their lives. And I want people to have experiences with God that uh, would change their, their life. Um, <clears throat> and in order for that to happen, I believe follow-up needs to take place. And I'm asking your help. Would we, would you help us be a church where when people come to an understanding of who Jesus is in their life, um, would you be a church that would help follow up with those people? Because we can't do it on our own. Um, there's too many too many people. We're going to need your help. And we want to be a place where people can come and find out the goodness of Jesus Christ and then actually have people come into their lives and help them through that process of what it means to be a Christian and what it looks like to have that, that life. Because when I was 17, I had an experience, but I didn't have any follow-up, and I went right back into uh, the pattern that I was, was living in. So I uh, finished high school. Like I said, I went to college, and that was a waste of time in my life. Moved to Estes Park, and I'm working in the movie theater, and I'm selling tickets, and this gentleman walks in, and uh, I look at him, and I'm like, I know you. And he's like, yeah, it's Todd from high school. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So a buddy of mine from high school was coming Park. And I go, what is going on? He said, my parents moved to Estes Park and I'm just here for the summer. I'm like, oh yeah, where are you going to school? And he said, I'm going to a place called ORU. I'm like, what is ORU? And he's like, Oral Roberts University. And I'm like, what is Oral Roberts University? And he goes, it's a Christian school. And um, I'm like, oh wow, well, that's great for you. I'm so happy. And he goes, hey, you know what? You need to come to church with me um, while I'm here. Okay, I'm a single guy. I don't have much to do on Sundays. I, I'll try it. So I go with him on a Sunday morning. We drive from Estes Park down to Loveland, Colorado, where Resurrection Fellowship is. And I uh, go to the service. Now, I'm a Catholic kid. Now, you remember standing, sitting, kneeling, sitting, standing. I, I mean, that, that was part of the Mass. That's what I was used to. Okay, I go to this church, and they are hands are up in the air. People are clapping during the music. First off, there's a rock band up on the front. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, I mean, I'll never forget just going, man, this is totally different than anything I've ever experienced. It was really, really strange for me. But here's what I knew. There was a life in it that I, that I couldn't get away from. There was just something that was like, oh man, there's something different. This was no normal mass, I remember thinking. Um, and so we leave the, the church service and we get in the car. And I know we talked the entire way up just different things about God. But there's only one thing that I remember on that drive up. He looked at me at one point and he said, hey, Dan, I just want you to know God doesn't want religion from you. He wants relationship. 
just stuck in my mind, in my heart. Um, again, I don't even remember anything else that we talked about that morning, but I remember that one sentence. And I began to go before the Lord and say, okay, God, if this is really real, make yourself real to me. Um, and I made a deal with God. And this is what I told God. I will go to that crazy church for one month. And if you're real, show yourself in, in that time period. Um, and so that's what I did. And so the first week I woke up, went down to church. Nothing, nothing big happened. Um, the second week I went to church. Again, nothing, nothing life-changing happened. And then the third weekend before going on Sunday, uh, that Saturday night, I lived with four other guys. There was five of us living in a four-bedroom house. Um, and we did what five guys would do in their early 20s, and almost every weekend there was some kind of party going on, and we had a party that Saturday night. I mean, we were going to be inviting a bunch of friends, and uh, we have had a lot of fun. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, it had wound down, and uh, again, one of those things I'll just never forget, I went to go pass out. Not just go to sleep, but to go pass out. I mean, I was in this, I was in that mental capacity, and I plopped down on my waterbed. <laughs> waterbeds? <clears throat> Lay my head down, and I'm just like, oh, I, you know, I just gotta go to sleep. And um, I, again, never forget, clear as day, not an audible voice, but just as loud as it could be in my head. I have this thought: Don't forget to set your alarm. Just this joy that, that came about my life and just exuded from 
it was. And all of a sudden, I began to realize, you know what? God is real. And all of a sudden, I started to see different things that was already beginning to happen to me. Um, before I even had this experience, um, not only did I work at the movie theater, but I had the second job of cleaning the movie theater. And so I would do the whole night, and then after everybody would leave, I would start to clean the theater. So I'd be in there sometimes, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, cleaning all of the mess up. Um, and I would just have these random ideas and thoughts. You know what? I want to work with youth. But if I want to work with youth, I, I, I need somebody to help me. I wonder who would help me. And I would remember go, going back to my house and asking the guys, hey, any of you guys want to help me work with youth? And they would look at me, no, we don't want to help you work with youth. And I, there was just something in my heart that was stirring. And after I had this experience with God, all of a sudden it started to make sense. Hey, God was calling me. And so my biggest aspiration at the time, before I had this experience with God, my biggest aspiration was I wanted to build a movie theater. I wanted to build it in Castle Rock. God reminded me of this a few months ago when Pastor John said, hey, I think you should take to Castle Rock Church and start your own church there. Um, while we were praying through whether we should do that, God reminded me, um, you were going to open up a movie theater there. I have had that city in your heart even before you really called upon me as your Lord and Savior. And so my biggest aspiration was to open a, a movie theater in Castle Rock. So um, we didn't do that. But here we have opened a church in Castle Rock. And I just think it's an incredible testimony to God way back then even speaking and beginning to give direction to my life. I just didn't recognize it. Just didn't recognize it. And so I'm going to finish my portion by just simply saying this. Maybe you find yourself in a position today where you're not sure if God is real. Maybe you are doubting um, whether there is a creator that created all of this. You know, the world would say that there's not, that we're just here by happenstance. But I'm just telling you, um, we do have a creator. Um, the Bible says that he knew you in your mother's womb. He said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and if a creator created all of this with such intricate detail, I believe that he also has a very intricate plan and purpose for your life. And I just want you to know, um, God doesn't want religion from you. And when I'm talking about religion, I'm talking about the things that are man-made. And I get it. They're man-made. And, you know, growing up Catholic, I think there's some incredibly great truths in the Catholic Church. But I think there's also some things that men made probably to draw people closer to God. I mean, I get the heart behind it. But they became a man-made rule and a regulation um, that is impossible um, to keep. And I think a lot of people get disillusioned because of those man-made rules and regulations. And I want you to know that God doesn't want you to strive or God doesn't want you to do these certain ten things and then you're going to be in right relationship with him. You know what? God just simply wants you to recognize it's not about all those religious things. It's about a walking, talking relationship with him. And I believe this about God, that if you will turn to him and say, hey, you know what? If this is true, if what Dan and Kim are saying, um, I'll give you a chance. And in whatever way, go to him and turn, put your eyes on him for just a moment in time. Give a portion of your life, a season of your life, and say, okay, God, make yourself known to me. And I believe that he will be incredibly faithful to come through and show himself to you. Um, and so I actually want to pray for anybody that would have that right now. So, Heavenly Father, I pray right now for anybody that would find themselves in a position where they're doubting whether you even exist, whether that you're real, that you care. And God, I just pray that you would help them to understand that you are a loving God, that you do have a purpose and a 
God, I pray that you would make yourself incredibly real to them. God, I pray anybody listening to me right now whose heart may be beating a little bit faster because your spirit is moving in their life right now. I, I pray that you would help them to realize that you are speaking to them. That you don't speak in an audible way, but you use our thoughts and you use our heart to communicate um, your life to us and the life that you have for us. And so God, I pray that you would penetrate into the hearts of those that are doubting, that are questioning, and God, that you would make yourself real. Let this service be the catalyst. Let this service be the starting point of an incredible relationship that they can have with you. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. All right. So I'll pick my story back up in, in high school, uh, doing lots of drugs and all those things. Felt myself really slipping into a lot of darkness, and it actually scared me. I knew, I knew about God, like I said, I knew of God, I never questioned that he was who he said he was, but I, I didn't have a purpose for my life. I had this like ache and just this longing in my heart for more, like there has to be more to life, you know, to be so young and already have like just no vision, no hope for your life is just a, is a really sad place. And so um, I had this longing in my heart, like there has to be something more. And then we still continued to go to church every weekend. I went to Resurrection Fellowship with my family and finally realized one, one Sunday, oh, it's, it's a relationship. That's what I'm missing. I, I need to have a relationship with Jesus. But it was like immediately when I figured it out, like that's what I'm missing, the enemy was like, he will never accept you. You've gone way too far. You know, you, you've done, you're in the middle of all this stuff. He's never going to accept you. And so I was just sad and I remember for a season of time driving home from church on Sundays and just sobbing in the back seat and my whole family just sobbing because and I never would share I never would share because I was so hard and so um, angry and I just never opened up to my family really what was going on inside me I would just sob because I thought wow there's no hope for me I can't I know what it is that I'm missing but I can't receive the Lord and I was just held captive in bondage to that lie, to those lies. Um, so I remember that season of my life, and then finally just one, I was so sick of myself because I would try so hard. Okay, I'm going to stop doing all these things. I'm going to get my life cleaned up. I'm going to figure this out, and, you know, and then God will accept me. And, you know, just failing miserably all the time, trying all these things and never measuring up, obviously, and the devil's just constantly like, just never good enough. You might as well just give up, and you know your life is is going to be just sad for the rest of your life. And um, I remember going to church one Sunday, and I don't remember what he said, but I remember like Dan was saying, my heart just beating so loud, I couldn't hear anything else. And finally, when it got to the end, and he gave John Stalker, the pastor at Resurrection Fellowship, gave an altar call, and I shot my arm up. I was like, Jesus, I have to have you. I have to have you. You, you, I have to just lay myself at your feet and just, you know, pray for your mercy. And um, shot my arm up, and I remember standing up, my parents just like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? And I was the only one that responded in that service that day. And I will never forget walking down the aisle. It was a very large church, a couple thousand people, and we were sitting near the back. So I'm walking down this long aisle to meet the pastor in the front, and there was this hand. And I, just, I saw it as I was walking that peeled this veil off of my eyes. And on the veil was written all of these lies that the enemy had held me 
totally held me captive to it and just in bondage to it. I just saw him peel that back as I walked down and I met the pastor in the front and just the love of God just pouring into my heart and just flooding into my heart. I remember standing there in front of that pastor as he was asking me, is this what you want? You want to give your life to Jesus? And I was like, more than anything. And I was so angry at the enemy that he had done that to me, that he'd stolen all this time, all this time that I had wanted to give my heart to him. He'd stolen all this. I remember standing up at that altar and saying, I will give my life. Lord, I will give my life to tell everyone that I come in contact with. You give me an opportunity that the devil is a liar and that you can have Jesus and he is the best thing that will ever happen to you. And I tell you what, from that day forward, he has just changed my life incredibly. And I have a couple scriptures I wanted to share with you guys because I literally lived this and it's just, it's so powerful. So the first one is 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And it says, there you go. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So that is that. I wouldn't say I was necessarily unbeliever because I believed. But that's the deception, though. Like, I, I knew there was more. I needed a relationship with the Lord, and I didn't have it. And I was being, I was being spiritually blinded to see what I needed to see in order to receive the Lord. Um, so the second one is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. And this, this has been just my whole life, my whole life verse. Uh, it says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, I finally I had to just turn and just give it all up and say, you know what, I can't strive anymore. I can't try to do this anymore. I'm powerless in myself. I'm sick of myself. You know, I just need to turn to you. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to hope that you receive me. So there was that action point though. Once I turned, it was like, oh my goodness, all this stuff just started happening for me. The veil is taken away, you guys. The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I tell you what, the devil has lied to me. You know, he has a plan for our life, just as well as, as the Lord does. He has a plan for destruction. I think he can see the anointings on our lives and just what the ex unique expression of the Lord that we're going to bring to the world, and he tries to pervert that and capture us. Like, I was drawn to the spiritual realm, and I really was curious about it, and I wanted to know more about it, because I think I had, I had a calling on my life to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and, you know, um, pray and intercede and see people, you know, delivered and set free. And this was a call on my life that I didn't know, but the enemy was trying to pervert that and capture that and, and steal that from me. And um, he tries to tell you, hey, you can do it, you know, do whatever you want. That's real freedom. You know, live your life the way you want and do drugs and whatever, you know, this life is short, like live it up. And but there's it's so lonely, it's so empty, it's so hollow. And really true life, true life is Jesus' life. It's his that's where the freedom is. That's where you live free. And so we with and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, we study, we look at the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I tell you what, even after, this verse was so pivotal for me in my life, and it still is to this day, that, you know, you get, I got saved, and, you know, he began to just remove things from my life, but I still have a long way to go, you know, it's a journey. 
that he takes us on. And we're in ourselves. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the spirit. And so, you know, to try and to strive and all these things, you're going to come up short every time. But as he would lead me just to sit in his presence and just behold him, really just worship him, he just began to remove things from my life, um, the anger, the the pride, the rebellion, all these things. He just softened me as I just looked to him. He just transforms us. That's how he transforms us. It's not about looking at ourselves and trying to fix it. You know, it's it's looking to him. And I remember being, you know, I was being tormented, uh, especially at night, you know, with just the doors that I had opened, you know. And the Lord would just give me just uncontrollable joy. And I would wake up in the middle of the night laughing, shaking the bed. And Dan was actually kind of irritated for a while because it ha would happen often, but it was uncontrollable. And I believe just during that, he was breaking off anger, breaking off all these things. Um, Water bed would be shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you waking me up laughing? I wanted to share um, just that what the Lord showed me was I was captive to a religious spirit was really what it was. And a religious spirit speaks three things, more than three things, but three things I felt like I wanted to highlight today is guilt, condemnation, and shame. And guilt says that you're not forgiven. Condemnation says you're still judgeable. You open the door, you deserve this. And that was probably the biggest hang-up was, you asked for this. You opened this door, now you deserve all of this. You're condemned. Um, shame says, this is who you are, and you identify with your sin, your struggle, instead of identifying with the life, Jesus' life. And I just wanted to tell you guys this morning that the Lord never uses those voices to straighten us up or to get our attention. That is never his tactic, that's not who he is, that's not his voice, and so if you're being um, hindered by those voices, then I just, I want to pray for you, and I felt like as I was just asking the Lord what part of my testimony he wanted me to share, Holy Spirit said, I really want you to corporately give an opportunity for me to uh, expose some veils, remo remove some veils, some lies, the enemy, all he has, he can only keep us to the level that he can us. All he has is lies, and we empower those lies by agreeing with that and not knowing the truth, honestly. And so felt like Holy Spirit said he wanted me to, to pray over you guys that he really wants to reveal um, where there may be some lies, where the enemy is, is holding anyone in here captive or in bondage, and reveal the truth, because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth. It's not ministry. It's not <clears throat> prayer. It's not any of the, I mean, he can use all of those things, but it really is the truth, knowing the truth, knowing the difference, knowing how Jesus wants you to see a certain situation, see yourself, and obviously see him. So I just want to invite you guys right now to go ahead, and if you're comfortable, put your hands out. Just bow your heads, and I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. I thank you that you love each and every person in this room. Thank you that you would even give me this opportunity, Lord, to facilitate an encounter and an experience with you, Lord. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you are the revelator. You are truth. And so, Lord, I ask right now that you would reveal that there's any lies of the enemy that have held your beloved ones in here captive. There's any bondage. There's fear. 
you of the future. Lord, I pray that you would reveal those things. And that Holy Spirit, you would give us your perspective, your truth this morning, Lord, and, and how to combat those lies. God, you said in your word that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Lord, so we pull down every stronghold of the enemy that is holding your people in bondage and in captivity in the name of Jesus. And tear down every spirit of hopelessness, every spirit of religious, a religious spirit, guilt, condemnation, and shame in the name of Jesus. Lord, we render them powerless and ineffective against us in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for your truth, your truth, Lord, that we are accepted in you, that there is mercy to be found in you. You're merciful. It's your loving kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. I thank you, God, for um, truth being just revealed this morning about your character and your nature. God, that your people in here would see themselves through your eyes, that there would be freedom in this house, Lord. Lord, I thank you for um, just every veil to be removed of any anything blocking a face-to-face, -face, intimate walk with you, whatever that would be, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can be face-to-face um, -face with you and intimate with you and have a close relationship with you, Lord Jesus. God, I we seal these prayers with the blood of Jesus in your name. Amen. Um, you know, in that last section of scripture that she reads, it says, um, those that turn to the Lord. Um, there is a responsibility that you have in, in your heart. Um, you know, the interesting thing as we were talking about this is, um, you know, she knew God um, and the enemy came and, you know, just put those veils Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. 
You know what? The more scripture I get into after the, we came up with the name Shine, the more I begin to realize Shine is in the Bible all over the place. We are to radiate. And when you turn to him, when you look to him for help, you become radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I pray, and the Lord listens. In our desperation, when you go and you turn to the Lord, he listens. He saved me from all my troubles, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And then this is the verse that I really want you to take away. It's this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the Lord, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, I am telling you, God is good. We live in a time where people question that all of the time. Well, God is so good, then how come all these bad things happen? You know what? We have an enemy of our soul. We live in a fallen world. There are um, just issues and things that do come up. But in the midst of all of those things, God is always good. He is good. And I just hope that you leave here today going, um, okay, God, if you're so good, let me taste and see. Turn to him and give him that prayer. Because I believe if you make that prayer, especially if you're in a place where you're desperate for him, you know what? God comes through and he is faithful to touch the hearts and the lives of those that make that prayer.